everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fic Click. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Are these fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Peter. Only I remain. (laughs) With great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, that like a fucking women (laughs) gift. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome to June June and also to Fit Click. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. And we're back after a brief hiatus. Thank you for waiting if you are someone who's listening to these episodes as they come out in real time. If not, then like we feel neutral. We're not thanking you necessarily because you're just listening to this in a whole go. Well, I'm thanking you for listening, but not for waiting yeah. because yeah. you didn't have to wait. Right. Yeah. Um, as you may have gathered, or probably didn't from that little bit, (laughs) um, on this podcast, usually the three of us each bring a fan fiction, and sometimes we just bring whatever we want, but sometimes we give ourselves little challenges or themes for episodes, and... Um, I wasn't there when Nick and Brenna had the initial conversation about having themed months for the rest of the year, so I don't really know how that started, but... You can't see me, but I also shrugged. Okay. We were on I the phone. I don't remember the beginning of this conversation. In my brain, it was something you two had talked about. <laughs> I was not there. It you was guys definitely Brenna and I. Well, okay. Sure. <laughs> at some point, uh, Nick and Brenna, I think probably mostly Nick, had the idea to theme the rest of our, not all of our episodes, but every month for the rest of the year, have a theme. Um, and the theme for this one, drum roll, please. Dune June. Um, hey, if you're in the Discord, maybe you saw the time that Brenda was like, Ficklets, how would you feel about a Dune-themed episode? And people vehemently said no. Too bad. Here we are. <laughs> we couldn't be stopped. Well, okay. In defense of everyone involved, my question was about doing two episodes that were both Dune-themed book club episodes, (laughs) which I can understand no one wanting. We have pivoted away from that concept, Um, but it does still involve the movie Dune, so. Yeah, Bren, do you want to pitch Dune June to us? Yes. So, after we said Dune June, and then we all realized internally that we probably also didn't want to do a book club and we also probably didn't want to just bring fan fiction based on either the book or one of the movie adaptations of dune um i said okay but i'm really committed to dune june because i think it would be funny what if okay i don't even know how to explain this properly i feel like it's such an esoteric concept <laughs> what if all of our fix have to include a character or if it's rpf just the person who also is an actor in Dune, the movie that came out like last year or whatever. So, for example, this would involve actors like Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, 
one of the scars guard men <laughs> jason <laughs> momoa there's a lot of people um, in that movie <laughs> there's a lot of people in this movie so you could take one of those actors and find a different role of theirs and find fan fiction about that role if you didn't want to bring something about dune or just like rpf about them um so that is today's concept <laughs> yes um in fact none of us brought a dune fic uh, and I guess this is the point in the intro where we should say what fix we did bring. So I'll kick us off with my fic, which is From the Blackest Regions Between the Stars by AO3 user Shadaras. I think they very kindly put a little note for podfickers on how to pronounce their username, and I'm still not sure if I'm doing it right, but Shadaras. Um, for the fandoms, Star Wars sequel trilogy, and The Locked Tomb! <laughs> yeah, it's it's a crossover, baby. Uh, it is technically uh, Poe Finn, but it's really just like Ray Finn and Poe meeting Gideon and Harrow, uh, and it is delightful. Bren, what did you bring? Yes, I brought a fic called Wonder Under Summer Sky uh, by the user Sing Song Sung. Um, this is a fic for little women, um, ostensibly the 2019 movie, but I guess it could also be for the book. I don't really know. Um, the pairing is Theodore Lawrence and Amy March, um, and it's sort of a modern AU retelling of their kind of part of the love story. Um, and yes, I was determined to fit a Timothy role in here somewhere. Am I even like a fan of the man? No. Just everyone in the Discord server was like, I don't want to hear about Timothy. And I was like, okay, let's talk about Timothy. <laughs> uh, Nick, what's your pick? Yes. So the fic that I'm bringing is called If You Want to Be My Lover, You Gotta Get With My Friends by AO3 user Mind Shelter. This is a Spider-Man, as in like the Marvel movie, Spider-Man, Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home, Them, uh, fic. And the pairings that we have are MJ slash Peter, but primarily this is like an MJ and Ned and Peter friendship story. I would like to shout out Reed for helping me find this pick. Thank you, Reed. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Usually we're like shouting out ficlets. This time it was my co-host. Hey. Okay, so Ficklets, I know usually for our intros, we'll do like a little game or, you know, a little like discussion of something. I have a story that I want to tell you. Um, my co-hosts know this story because they got to witness me experiencing it <laughs> via text live. Um, and I have I have spoken of it briefly before, but I'm going to tell you now. Um, so you might have heard of the movie Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. People have really mixed feelings about it, I've heard. Um, I frankly wouldn't know because I did see the film in theaters but I watched it in 4D. If you don't know what that means, count yourself blessed. Uh, we got to the theater. My mom was like, oh yeah, I went with my whole family. And my mom was like, oh yeah, like it, the theater says 4D, which is really weird, but the tickets are just in 3D. So we're like, oh, okay, we get the glasses, we go in. Um, I sit down and I ominously see a little button to the side of my chair that says water on. Um, don't know what that's for hopefully we don't need it so we start watching the previews and then there's a preview for 4d where all of a sudden my chair starts moving there's like a little spray of water there's a bunch of wind just pummeling me from all directions and my sister turns to me after it's over and goes oh my gosh thank god the movie is not in 4d <laughs> um uh, the foreshadowing. you know where this is going <laughs> 
the first scene of Rise of Skywalker, you're like in the POV of a little like X-Wing plane or something. Um, and our chairs immediately start moving. And I think, oh, no, um, I'm not going to get into all the details because it would take us too long. But when I tell you that, like, I don't understand how this got past a focus group that was like, yes, this would be a good way to experience a film. Uh, when there's fight scenes, little the chair uh, put little jabs into my back. Uh, at one point, I lightly shrieked because wind came at my neck and was like rustling my hair. Multiple times, puffs of wind against my calves. Not sure what that was supposed to evoke within me. Um, and by the end of the movie, my hair was damp. Uh, there was a lot of water. I never turned it off because it felt, honestly, it felt like a cop-out. I felt like I just <laughs> had to get through it. Um, and I did, but the movie ended and my dad said did you like it and i said i have no idea <laughs> so i just wanted to tell you all about that my favorite maybe is um you said like when palpatine died and was like i guess like crumbling to ash you were getting the puffs against your calves and your ankles yeah. and it spoilers for it's... rise of skywalker but that was i think uh... supposed to be a meaningful moment and i could not stop laughing i was like shaking in my seat Ficklets, I when Nick was live texting us, I was crying with laughter. Nick then like went on Twitter and retold the story and I cried. Like every time I hear this, like it it genuinely brings me to tears. It is one of the funniest things I can think about. And like during our pre-discussion, we were talking about if um because Brenna and I have both watched Dune with different experiences. Mm -hmm. Mine was fine. Rented it. My dad and I were chilling in the living room. It was a long movie and it was fine. Brenna sounded quite bad, but I was like, it could have been worse if it was in 4D. And then I started thinking about like what a Dune 4D movie would look like. Yeah, I did not have a great time with the cinematic experience that was Dune. I didn't hate the movie. The movie was fine. It was everything else that I had a bad time with. For example, how like ear shatteringly loud the soundtrack was in the theater that we were in and like it's an extremely discordant soundtrack and by the end I was just like I need I can't even think like there's no room in my brain for any of this and like I like this was during the pandemic so I'm wearing a face mask and I'm also trying to wear my glasses which are getting fogged up from said face mask and the last like hour of the movie is just filmed basically in either like dusk or dawn so it's all very like dim and I just stopped being able to like see basically <laughs> and I'm sure like every listener has now had the experience of like wearing a face mask for far longer than you really want to without any like ability to take it off and I was really having that when I was in this movie and there's a scene where uh Timothy's character Paul and his mom are in the desert and they're like hiding in this kind of tent that they've made under the sand and it's like also collecting condensation for them because there's like no water in the desert and I was feeling so suffocated like in my mask with my fogged up glasses with this like music blaring and yeah I think if if it had been in 4D I would have left the theater I mean honestly seeing Sky <laughs> Rise of Skywalker I you're stronger than me Nick I couldn't have stayed in my seat I would have just been sitting in the aisle or something like like the befuddlement no. paralyzed me leaving was never an option that crossed my mind it didn't feel like it was allowed <laughs> I guess like my movie story contribution to this intro that is relevant also to our fic discussions is that I hold so much fondness for the movie Little Women. Um, 
I first watched it with just Brenna and I and like I feel like we went at maybe kind of a weird time and like so it's just kind of like us sitting in the back row and we came out of the theater and we were like oh my god like friendship women like everything is so great we felt like so like it was like so wholesome and I felt so good about it and we were like we have to go see this with Nick and so then we went back like I don't know whatever it was like a week or something later and the three of us went to see it and we walked out of the theater and like we were in like an outdoor mall that had like closed. So it was like there was like no one else around, but it wasn't like scary. It was just sort of like the three of us in our little bubble of like heartwarming feelings. Like what a delightful movie. So I sorry to the people in the discord who did not want to think about Timothy Chalamet, but um, I was delighted that you brought a little women fic because it just like evokes a lot of like nice feelings in me. Um on a spectrum of like movie going experiences you two are like on one end and it was not good and like i'm just sitting here like <laughs> little women was so nice yeah i don't so even nice. know if i can describe 4d rise of skywalker as good or bad like, <laughs> it just was it just was, it was. Yeah. i experienced yeah. it yeah well for any of the ficlets during my discussion who don't want to think about timothy they can balance it out by thinking about florence Pugh. um so that's my gift to them true yeah Ray, Finn, Poe, Gideon, Harrow, Ships, and Ignition. Let's have a discussion. Thank you. Oh, we've gone back to slam poetry. It's been so long. <laughs> it really has. So my fic is From the Blackest Regions Between the Stars by Shadaras, and as I said, it is a crossover between the Star Wars sequel trilogy and the Locked Tomb series. Um, I think it it sort of implies maybe like post-Rise of Skywalker, um, and then it's canon divergent for the Locked Tomb I'm not going to be giving a lot of canon content here. Um, this fic is only 2K, and I think... Um, a lot of like what we'll be talking about is sort of like theoretical stuff that the author is implying. Uh, I will say, absolutely, there are going to be just so many spoilers for Harrow the Ninth in this discussion, or I imagine there will be, um, even in just the the brief context I'm about to give. So, if you are planning on reading Harrow the Ninth and do not want to be spoiled, you should probably skip this one. Great. Um, so for context. If you have not engaged with Star Wars, and specifically Star Wars sequel trilogy, anything that you've picked up from pop culture is probably fine. In this fic, we have Rey and Poe and Finn. Poe and Finn is a very popular ship, and they are dating here, and it's cute. And they're all on the Millennium Falcon together, presumably, I don't know, doing little missions and stuff. Um, and for the Locked Tomb trilogy, like I said, I think it takes place, it's like canon divergent off of Harrow. Um, implies that Gideon and Harrow have achieved perfect lictorhood and are now on the run from God. Uh, so basically the entire premise of this fic is that Ray, Finn, and Poe catch wind that there is a ship, an unknown ship from like the unknown regions of, of the galaxy or the universe stranded outside of Jakku, and Ray's like, we should go investigate. And it turns out it's Gideon and Harrow. And so they have a little conversation. And within 2K, this author manages to imply so much about the respective canons of each. And I respect it deeply. There are no content warnings for this fic. It's It was just really delightful to read. Um, if you are a fan of both canons, I think you would really enjoy this. For just like some brief context on how I wound up here, when we first pitched the idea of Dune June, I was so determined to bring a um, Finpo fic because... 
I really enjoyed the Star Wars sequel trilogy and I enjoy that ship, but I've never like really found the right fic for it, at least like the right fic to bring to fic click. I've seen like a lot of recommendations from like friends and online and stuff and like nothing was really like doing it for me. So I was like, I am determined. I am going to find a fic for them. And then after like a while of searching and still not finding anything, I got really desperate. I started, uh, I went back to the IMDb page for the respective actors and started looking at a wild plethora of fandoms, including Moomins, um, Drunk History, something called Lyle Lyle Crocodile, and the Beowulf and Grendel um, movie. It was one of those where I was like, listen, if I can't go with like a mainstream fandom, I might as well just like lean all the way into something whack as FitClick normally does. Um... And then somehow I circled around to, I don't even know who, somebody's bookmarks who had a lot of sequel trilogy bookmarks. And I found this and I went, oh, oh, what is this? I like The Locked Tomb. I like Star Wars sequel trilogy. Did I achieve the Dune Dune goal? Technically. Technically, Oscar Isaac is in Dune. And he <laughs> is also Poe Dameron. And Poe Dameron speaks in this fan fiction. Yes. Is he the focus of it? Not in the slightest. Um, I really do feel like with these challenge episodes, like sometimes all three of us are like, yes, we've nailed it. I've totally done it. But I think more often, at least one of us is like, I don't know. I'm halfway there. It counts if you squint. And I think that is true for my fic. I think it counts if you squint, but I don't really care because I had so much fun with it and I knew my co-hosts would also have a lot of fun with it. So I am very much looking forward to discussing this. Would love to know your thoughts. I am familiar with both of these canons, which we're very excited about. This is actually one of the only episodes we've done, really, where I am familiar with all of the source materials from every fic. Yay! Yeah! imagine that. It's incredible. I am learned. Um, And there's so many movie fandoms, and you've got all of them. I've seen a lot of films. I don't know if people knew that. It's pretty cool. Um, So it was very fun to get to see the little Easter eggs for both of the canons. Not two that I ever would have thought to put together personally. Um, I I wouldn't have guessed that this existed. (laughs) But I'm very glad that it does. Um, It was quite a quick read. It's quite short. Um, and it's very, I think, like dialogue heavy and very quippy and bantery. One of my favorite things about it is how much it seems to align with the like style of speaking or writing in the original source materials. It puts them together, but it doesn't flatten either of them. And I really appreciated that. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah, just like a very enjoyable read. One of those where you really have to be like, how does this exist? Um, and then move into delight about the fact that it does as you're going. Um, yeah, I have more thoughts, but my initial reaction is just that I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think very similar. I really did not know what to expect when I first started reading this based on just like the fandoms and read being like, here's this thing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't really expect it to be as funny and like lighthearted and delightful as it is. Um, not to say that those the two canons don't have moments of that, but like, I think especially like with Harrow the book, like, my memories of it are not like the funny parts. Well, a little bit, but <laughs> you know, those characters have just like been through a lot in their recent canon. So it was kind of fun to just see them from this outside perspective that was a lot more like 
lighthearted than like when you're in Harrow's mind um, or just like any character's mind over there. Um, so I don't know. I had a lot of fun with it in that regard and like just really appreciated how while still feeling very true to the characters, it was also like not like super depressing on the like Harrow and Gideon front. <laughs> um and yeah, I just had a lot of thoughts on like how they lined up the canons and like implications that are made in the fic that I think we're going to get into about that aspect of things. So yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. It definitely like got my like brain moving and like I was so curious about kind of this world that the author has created by like putting these two things together. Yeah, something that I really love about this is um, one of the additional tags is space is big and fandoms can coexist. And like... I like this fic for a lot of reasons, um, but I think one of the things that I really love about it is just, like, it feels so fandom to me. Um, it's part of a larger collection, and it's a gift for someone. And I had, like, looked through the comments briefly, and it seems like, I guess, in the um, recipient's, like, dear author letter or something similar, one of the things they had potentially asked for was a Finn Poe, um, like, Cavalier Necromancer AU, and the author was like, I started digging into that, realized it was going to be like sad and hefty. So I kind of just sidetracked and went for this instead, um, which I am obsessed with. Like, it really feels so. It's a crossover, as we have said, that like, I don't think any of us would have expected, even though, yes, they both technically take place in space. Um, and it feels like it's like someone's like, I care so deeply about both of these canons and the person I'm writing for also likes them. And I'm going to do something just really wild in a way that feels like. I don't know, like almost in the spirit of Yuletide, like there are no rules. You can write whatever brings you joy. And I gather that this author did have a lot of joy writing this fic. Um, I do want to briefly, I realize I gave like pretty much no context for the Lock Tomb because quite frankly, like it's just not worth it to go into it. But I will say um, for anyone listening who is like not familiar with the series and like is not going to read it, there's magic and the magic is necromancy. Harrow's a necromancer and Gideon is her buff bodyguard assigned to her and... In the sort of in the in between of the first and the second book, there's a process where the sort of the two souls can become one, where the cavalier just dies and then the necromancer gets superpowers and they're elixir. Great. But there's shh, secret, secret, there's a way to do it where both people actually stay alive and God doesn't want you to know that. And so the implications of this fic is that the two of them have done it and, as I said, are now on the run from God, which is how they got stranded outside of Jakku. Wild. Yeah. And. Okay, so I confused myself yesterday when we were pre-discussing this, like trying to figure out how they could be in the same world based on some like theories about Gideon and Harrow the Ninth and like what what, what? <laughs> that's my question about the theories um, because there's like so much to think about Gideon and the Ninth and Harrow the Ninth if you're not familiar are written to be pretty confusing like intentionally you're not supposed to be able to pick up on everything that's going on you're not supposed to be able to put all of the pieces together right away or some at all yet um, the third of four books in the series comes out this year later um, so it's just these first two that are out right now and one of the theories, pew, 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 were, yeah, if you didn't want Harrow spoilers, you were probably gone already, um, <laughs> is that, and I think that there's a lot of textual evidence for this, that Gideon and Harrow the Ninth are set in our universe in the far, far, far future. As we all know, Star Wars takes place a long time ago in a galaxy far away, um, so my new theory is that one of these two parties did discover uh, time travel in some way. Um, probably the Star Wars folks 
just my opinion otherwise mm. like why would they still be running from god if they could escape time exactly um, i'm not sure why they would go that far into the future if they had that ability but it's just my it's my current theory now uh, to try to understand how they're interfacing i think i might be on the opposite train like i think it might be gideon and harrow who have done the the traveling mm. because they've kind of come out of this like what does ray call it at the beginning um the unknown region yeah oh, they've come out of this true. unknown region and my guess is that there's like i don't know in general sci-fi terms some sort of like wormhole vortex paradox thing happening <laughs> the classic um, vortex paradox <laughs> vortex is what i meant but you know you, you oh. can't always speak perfectly um uh so i'm guessing it's them but i don't know that they know that they've done it that's what mm. i'm gonna say i feel like maybe they thought they were just moving like within the same timeline but a distance and maybe they don't realize that they've also moved within like time well like one of the things that i think adds fuel to the theory that um the lock tomb series takes place like in our universe far in the future is that uh god who is also known as john and also known as a billion other things um frequently like uses memes like mm -hmm. memes from like our current era um, and, like, one of Gideon's lines in this fic is that she says, like, oh, well, I was busy studying the blade. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, it's, I think this is what Nick was saying about the the voices feeling true to their canon. Like, no other characters in the Locktomb series, like, use memes the way that God does. But I kind of <laughs> loved that Gideon did here. But then it does come back to this, like, okay, but if Gideon is using, like, what we consider present day memes, but then we know that Star Wars takes place a long, long time ago. I think Brenna's right that they have traveled backwards somehow as they escaped the unknown regions which okay now i'm also wondering like did they go into the river and then like pop out like outside of jakku <gasps> that's what i was thinking i was like i wonder if it's some river fuckery but i don't understand the river at all so i didn't want to like start talking about it when i was not going to be able to finish <laughs> that thought <laughs> yeah basically i think what needs to happen is that the author of this fic does unfortunately or maybe fortunately need to write an additional 30 to 80,000 words <laughs> um, so that we can know more. So if you're listening, author, um, and we hope you are, can you do that? Thank you. I know personally as a fic author that it's really fun when <laughs> the main way someone engages with your writing is just to ask you for more of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, God. <coughs> oh, oh, and no. Nick dies live on the pod. <laughs> hey. No. Sorry, I thought too hard about um, my current whip that someone just replied, please more, with like 10 exclamation points, and I didn't answer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> or AO3 user Shadaras, um, if you don't feel like writing an additional 30 to 50k, um, just come hit us up. Uh, mm -hmm. We're on Twitter at FitClick. We've got a Discord. Just just mm -hmm. come chat. We'd love to hang out. FitClickPod at gmail.com. FitClickPod at gmail.com. Um, this sounds like promo, but genuinely, like... All three of us are just dying to know more about this universe or to, like, exist more in this extended universe. And I know in your comments you were like, oh, like, I can't always, like, give in to all of the AUs I have in my brain. But this was fun to think about. Like, I'm, like, rattling, rattling the bars of my cage being like, okay, but what else is in there? What else is in your brain? Speaking of fun little kind of crossover things in this, one of the things that really got my brain going um, is the implication that basically the, like necromancy and like the powers that they pull from for that in Locktomb and the force in Star Wars are 
of the same material um, in some way, which I think makes a lot of sense because, you know, if we're connecting these two universes, then, like, the universe of the locked tomb would have to have the Force because everything has the Force in Star Wars. Um, but there's this really, like, funny interchange between Harrow and Rey about kind of, like, being able to sense the power coming off of each other, even though they have very different, like, terms for it. Um, and I don't know. I'm That's something that I'm, like, very curious as to, like, where that would have gone because... Harrow essentially senses Ray's like use of the force and like connection to the force as thalergy, which is kind of the life energy in the locked tomb, versus what Harrow uses, which is thanergy, which is kind of like death energy. Um, and Harrow is immediately like, oh my god, what is this power? Maybe this is how we can kill God. And Ray's like, what? <laughs> um but I don't know, I just think it's really interesting because obviously in Star Wars we have this whole pull between like the light and the dark side of the force and like how they have to exist in balance and, you know, we're kind of always on the side of the Jedis, but like there is this implicit understanding that like it can't just be like the light side of the force that exists, like it has to have dark to balance it. But I feel like in the locked tomb we're only often seeing the like thalergetic <laughs> um, powers. Like, I, you know, thalergy is mentioned but like it's not really like the base of most necromancy I think um from what I understand like don't quote me on this because again do I really understand how any of it works no um but I just think it's interesting because I feel like this implies that there's probably much more of a balance to be had in the world of the locked tomb in terms of their powers in a lot of ways or that there is this like untapped potential or alternately that there used to be and that god has kind of snuffed a lot of that out, leaving uh, what exists now. Um, mm. But it, it it was probably there at some point, even if it's not there now. And I find that really, really fascinating. No, I totally agree. And I think like one thing that I enjoyed so much about this particular like fic and also thought exercise is this sort of synthesis across different media like you said the way that the force can be seen through a different lens and also the way necromancy can be seen through this different lens like it's so fun and it reminds me of other discussions we've had about fics that really feel like one person telling their friend like ha 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 what if this and then it spirals out into a story that they've fully written i mean maybe they said this just to themselves i don't know like ha ha what if i do that all the time um but the fact that it branched out into something that is not only able to take a look at these two different medias and find their similarities and differences in such a concise way but also just like to have some fun with it um the fake really opens with them rolling through space them being ray uh, finn and poe um and they reach out and have this sort of series of transmissions with Harrow and Gideon and it is so funny um like it's just so charming and I love that like I feel like fic is able to do that I feel like sci-fi as a genre is really able to do that of straddling this bleakness and also humor um and I loved the combination of those things and also the combinations of these two worlds yeah I mean I think we've like kind of said this but when I was pitching this fic to my co-hosts, I was kind of laughing because I was like, I understand conceptually me saying Ray, Finn, and Poe meet Harrow and Gideon sounds whack. But like this fic, yes, it's like lighthearted and fun, but it 
it also still fully makes sense for both of the canons. Like, it's like a whack premise treated seriously. Like, yeah, space is endless. So why couldn't theoretically these two canons, like, both exist together? And, like, there's magic in both of them that appears in different forms. Like, what? Like, why couldn't this be real? I don't know. I just love that. Um, and, like, going back to, I don't know, some of the stuff Bren was saying about, like, um, maybe, like, a balance for necromancy and whatever. Yes, obviously, in this fic, Ray's perception of Harrow's powers, I think, would tend more, like, dark side, quote-unquote. But I think something interesting is that, like, necromancy isn't seen as, like, an inherently evil thing in the Lock Tomb, or at least, like, I would argue that it isn't. I think Harrow, the book, maybe calls into question the... the I don't want to say, like, the balance of good and evil, but, like, I don't know, you start the book and Harrow is like, oh my god, well, haha, Harrow's like, god, every he's great, and I love him, and one time he told me he cared about me, and I sprinted away from him at full force. She quite literally, like, worships him, and then towards the end of the book, it's like, actually, I think God and everyone else on this ship are maybe the bad guys. Maybe but it's we like, don't stand this guy. Maybe we don't, but it's like, they're not the bad guys because they use necromancy, it's like the stuff they've done with it. I don't know, so I just think there's like a lot there about like what the balance of like the force versus like necromancy would look like because it's not i think it's not as black and white as like good and evil sith jedi whatever something i also want to talk about in regards to the um blending of these two canons is um when harrow and gideon are explaining lictorhood ray thinks about it like a forced dyad which i thought was so fascinating because like yeah that parallel absolutely makes sense obviously the way that like the forced dyad works in the movies is like not at all how like lictorhood works in the books but like there is some like sharing of powers right like i res- respect to the raylo fans out there not for me really did not like that plotline however the bit in Rise of Skywalker when it's like, oh god, I can't remember which one of it, but like one of them reaches behind their back and they have nothing, and then the other one puts the, the lightsaber yes. and it like transports between like it's that a was so good moment, regardless of it being Raylo. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And it's like stuff like that that's like, yeah, okay, obviously that doesn't translate one to one to Lictorhood, but there there is that same thing of sharing power and like quite literally like seeing the world through each other's eyes, etc. And I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating to think about those two things juxtaposed against each other. Yeah, I think we mentioned this at the beginning, but I think one of the things that was very delightful about this fic is that even as it kind of blends these universes and plays with the idea that maybe there are these connections between them, um, like the individual voices of all the characters, I think, stayed really true to their source material. And like when Ray first like hails the floating like ship that they don't know currently contains Harrow and Gideon um that exchange is so funny um because like you have to imagine that Harrow and Gideon did manage to get this ship from wherever it originally was to where it is now but they do not seem equipped to really be piloting it or using it in any (laughs) kind of actual way um but them like you just start hearing Ray be like, hello, like, do you need help? Like, is anyone out there? And Gideon and Harrow just, like, arguing about whether or not they even need help or even need fuel when, like, <laughs> they obviously do um, is so perfect. And also, like, their introductions as, like, 
when Gideon like introduces herself as like Gideon Nav, and then Harrow is like, I am the Reverend Lady Harrow Hawk Nonagesimus, scion of the ninth house. And everyone's like, Okay then. Okay. <laughs> and then meanwhile sure. it's like it's like Ray is like, I'm Ray for the third time. Yes. I'm Ray. That's my only name. Here I am. And Harrow's like, I have one million titles. <laughs> I don't know. It's just very delightful to me. Something else I wanted to shout out that did make me audibly laugh is when Harrow and Gideon are sort of explaining their plight to Ray, Finn, and Poe. Um, and the fic reads, Harrow, Hark, and Gideon both being alive right now was an affront to the Lord Undying, who sounded like at least as much of a terrible ruler as Palpatine had been, even before they started explaining about killing planets to create necromantic fuel. Which, talking again about juxtapositions, comparing John Gaius to Palpatine is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> and in our pre-discussion, Breno was like, oh my god, like, if we got the 30 to 80k of this uh, continuation of this universe that we wanted, like, the final showdown would be, like, John versus Palpatine, which also has me thinking boss about, fight. like, absolutely about, like, that is the final boss fight. And, like, it has me thinking, like, what on earth would the Lictors see looking at Palpatine? What kind of, like, fucked up mess of, like, Thalergy, Thanergy, something going on there? What if Palpatine just is a construct? Like, what if that's why he's still around in, like, like, you know, because he's supposed to be dead. And then the, like, sequel trilogy brought him back. And we were all like, oh, this man again. But, like, <laughs> what if what if he's just, like, not even, like, alive alive? What if he's just, like, been created? Uh... What if he's the compilation of, like, hundreds of souls? What if? <laughs> oh my god. I, I mean, okay, but it's like, Palpatine's whole deal in the sequel trilogy is essentially necromancy existing in the universe of Star mm -hmm. Wars. But mm -hmm. it's such, like, a fucked up... I mean, like, the necromancy in the Locked Tomb is also fucked up in its own way, but, like... Like, if Harrow and Rey are looking at each other in this fic and they're sort of evaluating each other's powers and, like, you know, sensing things from each other, I would just love to know what the Harrow POV of, like, a Harrow meeting Palpatine would look like. Oh, my God. I also, I really think John could fuck up Palpatine shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's who I have my money on. And I agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like John, but I like him more than I like Palpatine and also absolutely he's winning I just that think fight. he's I just think he's winning the fight yeah I don't necessarily yeah. have like a person I like well John's funnier Palpatine is just kind yeah. of there and looking like an old slug but you know I wish I remembered <laughs> more about Palpatine I was too distracted being actively jostled <laughs> while watching Rise of Skywalker and I haven't seen the original or prequel I guess trilogy mm -hmm. so I don't you haven't know seen the original man no dude oh okay just minding my own business. Like, he used to be, like, a dude, and then by the time you get to seeing him again in, like, the sequels, he's really just, like, a flesh sack of evil. <laughs> Yuck. I'm sorry, you're Reed, do you think wrong, that's inaccurate? No, like, you're right, and I just I hated it you. so much. Yeah, that's fair, Although, like, arguably, flesh sack of evil could apply to a lot of characters in the Locked Tomb series as well. Yeah. In different ways. Anyway, um, I've said the word flesh more times than I wanted to in this discussion, so maybe I will I will wrap. Um Yeah. I am just thoroughly delighted to have stumbled across this fic. It is not something I would have ever thought to look for or like ask for, and it has given me so many gifts. 
as um, I think Bren said, just like my brain is racing with like all of these little thoughts. Once again, just a plea to this author. If you feel like chatting with us, you don't have to write 80 more K. You can just you can just hop on a Zoom call with us and just like let us know, because um, I think all of us really enjoyed being in this crossover universe um, and having it done like so, so well. Like, as we said, just so like in character and true to the canons for both of them, which yeah, I would not have expected going in, but it was just a really great fic all around, and I really enjoyed it. Palpatine is a little sack of flesh. Amy is a little woman. Brenna? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an incredible work. Yes, so my fic for this episode is Wonder Under Summer Sky by Sing Song Sung. Um, as I said in the intro, this is a fic for little women. Um, it's tagged for both the movie and the book. I know personally I have just seen the movie and it felt very accurate to the portrayal of the characters in, in the movie. Um, but this is a modern AU. Uh, it is about Lori and Amy um, when they're in their like I think like very early 20s or something. Um, they kind of unexpectedly reconnect in Europe, uh, the same as they do in the movie, um, and then fall in love. And in the movie, we like don't really see a lot of that happening. We kind of just see like a few scenes from them interspersed with also scenes from like all the other characters that we're following. Um, but this really like charts that journey for them um, and takes them to a few different places in Europe. I don't know exactly where they're supposed to be in Europe in the movie, so I'm not sure if it's, like, also Vienna, like it is in the fic, or if it's somewhere else, but whatever. Um, that's not really important here. <laughs> um, I thought this was a really delightful fic. It manages to update things very well while also retaining a lot of, like, the vibe of the movie to me. The language feels kind of still period appropriate while also not feeling completely out of place for an updated setting. It kind of just transcends the two times really well, I think, and kind of uses this kind of concept of a of them kind of being in this bubble of of magical European summer vacation. Actually I'm not even sure if it's summer. I think it is summer. Amy's wearing a lot of sundresses. Um I think also the title, like, Under Summer Sky, I think is because it's in summer. That's true. I, then I started second-guessing <laughs> myself because, like, Amy's in school and, like, would that be in summer? Maybe it's, like, late spring. Anyway. <laughs> Not that that matters. Um, but I think it kind of uses this concept of them being in kind of this little bubble um, as a way to kind of bridge the gap between the canon and... Uh, like the modern setting in a way that I thought was really, really well done. Um, yeah, like I said in the intro too, I I don't know. I feel like we kind of just like picked our actors from Dune that we were going to like investigate in some ways. Um, but I was really determined to bring a fic that involved a character played by Timothy Chalamet. Again, am I even a big fan of his? No, I really have no feelings on the man. Um, but I really wanted a fic, yeah, that involved uh him in a way uh which did somewhat limit my options but I think Little Women actually had more fic than I expected on AO3 and this one was really delightful <laughs> so I had a really good time with it um and yeah in my head as I was reading it it was it was very much like the Timothy and Florence characters um and I think a lot of the dialogue I could just like hear perfectly in their voices as I read 
There really aren't any content warnings for this fic. Truly nothing bad happens to these characters. Like, they have some slight existential dread, but, like, they're mostly just having a good time in Europe. I had a really good time with this. I thought it was just very charming and evoked a lot of the same feelings for me that, like, watching the movie did. But I'm curious to hear what my co hosts thought. I was gonna say co-authors. That's not what you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts thought. Yeah, I found this fic so charming. Uh, Not to always check things off of the fic click bingo, but uh, for a 17k fic, quick read. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think part of that was uh, like the pacing of it. The entire fic takes place over the course of like a, a week, maybe a little bit more, but it's like pretty tightly condensed into a couple of days, which I honestly really, really appreciated. Um, I thought the pacing of this fic was so great. And like Bren said, like the the writing and like the dialogue and stuff, it didn't feel like dated. Like it didn't feel like they were like, li- the author was like line for line picking up like sort of the way that they speak in period pieces. But it definitely kind of like evoked the feelings from the movie. And I feel like the pacing added to that as well, because yeah, you see like Amy and Lori meet and then the next time you see them, they're like married. And so I feel like this almost whirlwind romance, I mean, it's a little bit different because they've like have a whole, they've known each other their whole lives, but this week of like traveling to different places in Europe and like this, the really intense like spark and blah, blah, blah. Like I feel like all of that lent itself to sort of the pace of how their relationship went in the movie as well. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I was fully just picturing Timothy and Florence in my head the entire time, and I'm not mad about it. Um, even though it did say in this fic that Lori goes to Tish, and I was like, fucking, of course he goes to Tish, and then I was like, did Timothy Chalamet go to Tish? He didn't, but, like, it was a little bit hard at first for me to, like, extricate, like, Timothy the actor from Lori, but I don't know Timothy the actor. Like, I don't know anything about that man, so who knows. I feel like something that also really worked well for this fic is that because um, because all three of us are, like, familiar with the canon and because it's, like, it is one singular movie or a book, but I don't know the book. So it's one self-contained canon that you're working off of. And so this fic, even more so, I think, than, like, other fics in general, like, it did not have to do any setup work for you. Like, it spent no time explaining that, like, Amy and Laurie were, like, have known each other since childhood and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I liked that it didn't bother with that. It's assuming that if you're reading this, you're going in, like, knowing the characters and sort of, like where it's diverging and where it is pulling from the canon. Um, And I thought the ways in which the author sort of balanced that worked really well. So, yeah, I don't know. I just had a really good time with this. I, like, was, like, grinning by the end of the fic. It just was a very, like, charming read. Yes, I was also thoroughly charmed by this fic. Wow, I liked it so much. I was not necessarily expecting to. Like, I thought I would like it. But... Little Women is not something I've really considered going out to find fic for. I read the book when I was very young. I obviously saw the movie with my friends, as Reed alluded, and I enjoyed it. And I never thought, like, wow, I wish I had more of this. Um, So I was going into the fic like, okay, this will probably be, like, I don't know, fun, cute. Um, Sure. And it was fun and cute, but it was also just really lovely. Like, the descriptions were so luxe. The prose was really wonderful. It flowed nicely. Um, I think it did a real service to its setting, which colored so much of this story. I loved the, I liked the Lori of this fic. I loved the Amy of this fic. Amy is such an interesting character. Um, I actually last night, instead of doing things that would be like really important to my, uh, success academically and in my career, 
read a Vox article called The Power of Greta Gerwig's Little Women is that it doesn't pretend its marriages are romantic, which is great, by the way. It's an article by Constance Grady, um, and it talks about the individual marriages and also about how Louisa May Alcott had gotten all these letters as um, she was publishing Little Women in installments. And it's the first half and the second half. And the readers were all these young women and young girls writing to her saying, oh, I can't wait for Joe and Laurie to get married. And Alcott was like, you have another thing coming. <laughs> and so the Amy Laurie romance was largely in part to make Laurie unavailable to Joe so that she wouldn't have to marry him. Um, and then she marries him off to this like professor guy um, who's a snooze. Uh, and it is meant to be unsatisfying and disappointing and grim. Um, and it talked about how Greta Gerwig's interpretation really like leaned into looking at this with its eyes open. It Between it and Florence Pugh's adaptation of Amy, she becomes such a more interesting character. She was already interesting in the book, um, but for her to say so clearly and so blatantly, um, to just talk about the economic advantages of marriage and why she would do it and how she wants to be chosen and not wanting to be a commonplace artist, like she is so alive in the movie and in this story. So I really enjoyed reading it. I'd recommend reading it. Um, but I feel like it helped me also shape some of my thoughts about why I really liked the Lori and Amy of this story as well. Um, it got their voices so right. And it really leaned into this true crux of like, I want to be chosen for myself. I don't want to be a second fiddle to somebody else. And at the same time, I know that being chosen for who I am does not inherently take away the fact that this is going to be an economic proposal above all things. And it's going to make me comfortable and my family comfortable. Like it's so, ah, it's such an interesting commentary. Um, So this fic, I think, picks up a lot of that work. It obviously doesn't like initiate it because that's coming from the book and the movie and the source material. Um, But I just liked it so much like beyond being like an obviously happy ending romantic uh jet setting story i felt like it engaged with some of the things i found most compelling about the source material and i feel like that's what i'm always looking for in a fan fiction you know i'm just kind of like laughing a little bit um in how in the previous discussion we were talking about like oh an author just loves when people are like are you updating when is more like in the middle of whips <laughs> and like people were basically doing that to louisa may alcott yes, like 100%. nothing ever changes it's it's yeah. been a constant forever <laughs> yeah yeah and not only yeah. when is more but like when is more that's going to go this exact way that i want it to that you don't uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nick i love what you were saying about that because i feel like the movie is the only version of Little Women I've consumed, but you know, at the beginning, I was very much like, "Oh, okay, Joe and Laurie, here we go." Like, obviously, that's like a primary focus of the story, um, and you know, I wasn't necessarily convinced that they were gonna get together, but I didn't really think that like Laurie would get with Amy. Like, that was not really on my radar until it happened, and it makes it out to be this like thing where yes Amy has her hesitations largely because of the like you want to be chosen for you um and like there is also like the fact of marriage at that time and that it is always somewhat of a business arrangement as well um but it's made out to be this pretty happy thing you know they get back from Europe together things are not great but like they are happy and that's kind of how we're left with them at the end of the movie that it it was a good thing for them but we don't really see how that came about. And I just really like that we get to delve into that more here and see that while there are the same kind of hesitations that like Amy and 
probably Laurie himself had as well, like in the in the movie, like also are reflected here in the story. And I think like the money part is interesting because that's such a big part of like the movie and presumably the book. But here it just kind of manifests as like Laurie always having really fancy hotel rooms. <laughs> yes. And being able to like pay for everything. <laughs> Holds up designer backpack. <laughs> Yeah, and she doesn't seem as concerned, like, obviously, because it's a modern AU, there isn't the same kind of concern of, like, I must marry well for my family as there is, like, in most of the things set. I don't know, it's not, like, a huge concern necessarily in, like, the source text of Little Women, because it's not something that their parents are, like, really pushing forward, but, like, you're aware that that's a big concern of, like, of the time. Um, So, like, there's not really that from Amy in this fic, but, like, I think there is a little bit of the, like, I'm just here, like, doing my summer program. I'm just a regular girl of regular means. And here's this boy who I've known from childhood, but also, like, is flashing his grandfather's platinum card to get us, like, the fanciest (laughs) hotel in Milan, you know? Yeah, like, he's out here telling me, oh, live a little. And it's like, yeah, it's so easy to live a little when you're fabulously wealthy. (laughs) Like, a white guy cavorting through Europe. Like, it's so interesting and i don't Mm -hmm. think this fic shied away from the fact that like yeah laurie is pretty spoiled like i found him sympathetic even though i tend to find him extremely boring in all versions of little women so i appreciated that as well i think something else that was really really fun about this fic is that um this author did such a good job of being so evocative of like travel and like the settings that they're in i think they put in their author's note something like oh, I couldn't travel to Zurich this year because of, like, pandemic, so instead I'm sending Amy and Lori there. Um, And it really felt like one of those... We've talked about this a little bit before in the pod, but when you can tell that an author is writing about a place that not only are they really familiar with, but that they hold a lot of, like, fondness and love for, I feel like that came through so strongly in this fic and, like, really helped, like, ground me in sort of, like, the setting and where they were and just, like, how that was having an impact on Amy and Lori because, like, the force of how much this author cared about those places and lives in them, I think. uh, Yeah, it just felt very present. Yeah, I think, like, the aspect of this feeling very true to place is a huge part of it, too, and, like, one of the reasons I found it so charming right off the bat, like, it, I I know I've said before that, like, I'm a pretty visual person when I read, but this one in particular had all of these little details that was just kind of building it out into this very, like, realistic world in my brain, like, the way that the author describes the hotel rooms, the way that they describe these places they're at, what they're eating, the gelato that Amy gets when they go to Italy, all of her little sundresses. Like, I could perfectly see it. And, like, it felt like such a good adaptation, too, of how Amy is in the movie. Like, I don't know. Personally, I'm obsessed with that outfit that she wears. It's, like, the blue kind of apron-y dress when they're in Europe. And she's, like, painting. It's, like, one of my favorite costumes, like, ever. And so in my mind, I was just like very much updating that into kind of more modern European feeling sundresses and things. And it was all just like so real in my mind when I was reading it. And I just like loved spending the time with them in this fic. It made me really happy. And I've, I've kind of been on a kick of wanting to read happier things, which is like, not that I'm not usually someone who wants to read happy things, but I'm not usually someone who like seeks out fluff. And when I opened this, I like was a little bit worried that it might just be a little too fluffy or like a little too self-indulgent for like my taste. But I actually ended up loving like all of that about it. And it is self-indulgent in points, you know, it like, 
it indulges in them going to these like European landmarks. It indulges in giving them these like delicious meals. It indulges in like Lori waking up next to Amy. Like it's an indulgent fic and I I loved that about it. It felt very like rich and wanting to make its characters like happy um, in a way that I just like really had a good time like spending time in that world. Yes, totally agree. I think another thing I really liked is that in between all of those moments, we got the occasional flashback to childhood. Um, I am not really a childhood friends to lovers person, but the the childhood in love with your sister to lovers arc here, <laughs> um, I really enjoyed. Um, the because the Little Women book is told in two halves. The first half is this kind of nostalgic, beautiful childhood, and then the second half is them all getting married off to men and leaving, and the family pulling apart and ending up in these relationships where you know, like as a woman, your main purpose is to provide emotional fulfillment to a man. Um, so it's like kind of grim in that way. But the movie kind of similarly has scenes from childhood and scenes from adulthood while they were kind of figuring out what their adult lives look like. In the movie, similarly to in this fic, they're portrayed as these really pretty golden flashbacks to different times in life. Um, and I just really, there's one scene in particular, one paragraph in particular. Let me actually, I'm going to pull it up. Hold, please. Okay. Yes, holding. holding. Yeah, thank you. You'd better be holding or I'll be pissed. <laughs> So there's this one paragraph I'm going to read for you all because I love the prose in this fic first off and it, this feels really representative of the rhythm of it and also I loved the way that we get to see these kind of layered vignettes of themselves, the way that they're looking at each other and they're seeing every other version of themselves that they've known their entire lives. Um, so we have Lori stands in the middle of the hotel room staring at Amy's half-packed bag at the spot she was just standing in at the sparkle of city lights just beyond the windows and struggles to think of anything but Amy at 12 with the skirt of her elaborate royal costume clutched in both hands Amy at 14 shrieking both with vexation and joy when he smeared icing from her birthday cake across her nose Amy at 17 the summer after he graduated slipping a sketch of him in a director's chair into the pocket of his raincoat Amy at 19, last Christmas, tipping her head back against his knee and laughing at his lame joke. Amy, 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 in years upon years of his life. I just liked that so much. It's one sentence, but like this author is so good with that rhythm, with that pacing, with finding the right words to evoke that like gold-tinged nostalgia and also her present self, right? She's packing her bag to go kind of storm off and they're going to split up briefly before they obviously get back together because this is a romance fic um but I just I just really liked it I don't have many words beyond I just think it was so good yeah I feel like similar to what you were saying like those I think having those flashback scenes helps make like the Amy of the present so alive and real and full because like you do in the movie you do get to see like Amy grown up but I think she still has some of her like precocious stubborn etc like childhoodness about her and like not to say that there isn't some of that in the amy of this fic there is but like both like laurie as the pov character and you as a reader i think are getting to see a more grown version of amy like a, a slightly more like mellowed or like settled into herself version of amy and i don't know i just like it just gives more depth to the character and i feel like part of the feeling of her like rounding out into this 
self-realized person who's like doing her own thing and like kind of being a struggling artist, but you know, like otherwise doing all right. I feel like part of that image is bolstered by the scenes that we get of her as a little child, the scenes of her in her little like royal princess Halloween costume, etc. That entire bit was so extremely cute, and I think it was, like, the thing that felt most Lori to me. Like, he was so comfortable in this position of, like, oh, I can totally be, like, the dapper gentleman who is making a girl feel special. Like, that feels like such a him thing. Um, And I liked it. Like, we get moments in this fic where Lori is thinking about how I mean he is kind of a flight risk right he just sort of jolted off to Europe doesn't fully know what he's doing um but he's also thinking about times when he was younger with the marches like wanting to find the best way to interact and engage with them that's not going to make anybody uncomfortable uh there's a whole scene of him reflecting on how it's been challenging at times to like want to spoil the entire family because he has this money that he doesn't even really know what to do with and also bumping up against you know like their pride um and not pride in a negative way pride in like we don't need your charity way um and we see that tension in this fic as well between him and amy amy who has always like loved nice things and who wants to be somebody who gets to have those things and at the same time cannot let go of this part of her that wants to be kind of liked and wanted for herself and also wants to be able to choose and like somebody else regardless of how advantageous it might be to her or not. I just thought it was good and that particular scene that flashback of like her tripping and getting her costume muddy and him being like oh come my lady da da da. Mm -hmm. It could have gone very like weird fedora hat tipping but instead it (laughs) felt very charming to me. And very true to character. And I think that was the scene for me that really coalesced this relationship in this particular fic is one that I was totally down to roll with and see where it ended up and enjoy a happy ending for. Definitely. I think that's also one of those scenes that does a good job of meshing the kind of modern AU with what happened in like the original text without feeling like it's just repeating the original text. Um Because, you know, watching the movie, there's all these scenes of them playing make-believe and dress-up and hosting plays and, like, variety shows, essentially, as (laughs) children. And it's so charming and has that veneer of just, like, this perfect childhood day with your, like, friends or siblings or whoever. And I think this completely evokes that same feeling, like, both within Laurie and within us as a reader, that those scenes do when you're watching the movie and you're just kind of loving watching them put on this play and like Amy get her little dress and like like Joe make all the costumes for everyone and it's it's so charming and I think it like links also these like good wholesome feelings of childhood with these like adult versions of Amy and Lori in like a very romantic way that isn't like creepy like oh I knew you as a child kind of way it's very much more just like these I have good memories of you and I still want you in my life and that's really lovely Yeah, like I knew you as an unformed kind of like figuring out who you are person. And now I get to see Mm -hmm. all of those steps of that figuring out layer to top each other. And they are deepening my understanding of who you are now. Yeah. Yeah, I think the modern AU really, really worked here. Like, as you said, Bren, like it's not a direct retelling of like Little Women, which I think all of us would not have enjoyed as much as we enjoyed the fic as it is. And also, I think like... 
I don't know, like, if, if this fic was the story of, like, Amy and Laurie, like, getting together and falling in love set in the canon, I also think I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Like, I feel like the modern AU really worked for getting to see this almost, like, missing scene. Um, I will say, just personally, I think it's funny, okay, there are, like, actors known for their period pieces, right? Like, Kira Knightley, everyone's like, wow, you look at her face and she's always in the period pieces, etc. But she feels like a person who was born in the modern day. Timothy Chalamet feels like a little Victorian waif child was born and then, like, someone accidentally picked him up and plucked him and dropped him in the wrong century. And so it's like, Timothy being in Little Women, that makes sense. That's the era he's supposed to be living in. Timothy in, like, 2022, like, traveling around on his, like, grandfather's platinum card, that's, there's some, like, universe-breaking, timeline-crossing, something-something. That little waif boy, I, he's not meant to be here at this time, but he is... He perplexes well, he, me. Yeah, he really jumps around. Like, you know, Little Women feels so appropriate for him. But then he's like in Lady Bird and you're like, oh, Timothy. Timothy and Sersha, you're both here. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like in Dune, which is like, who knows when wh- or where. Like, <laughs> little space prince boy. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I maybe have like a parasocial relationship to... The version of Timothy Chalamet that's in my brain, once again, I do not know anything about this man as, like, a real person. I don't really follow—I happen to have seen movies that he's in, but I do not follow his works. I do not care. But in my brain, he's this little Victorian waif child. (laughs) And I'm very attached to that image. Yeah, you're valid for that. Thank you. I had a wonderful time traveling through Europe with Laurie and Amy in this fic. Um, If it sounds like something you would enjoy doing, I would definitely recommend picking it up um, for some of those good, wholesome Little Women vibes. Um, Yeah, so this fic was about childhood friends kind of rekindling that friendship that then develops into more. The next fic is about just making friends, and sometimes that develops into more. My fic for this episode is called If You Want to Be My Lover, You Gotta Get With My Friends by AO3 user Mind Shelter. This is a fic for Spider-Man Homecoming, technically. The Marvel film might be familiar. Um, the fandom is listed at Spider-Man Tom Holland movies, which I guess is probably the overarching <laughs> tag for those. And also, obviously, MCU. Uh, the primary kind of like relationship here is the friendship between Ned, MJ, and Peter, but we also do get some MJ slash Peter in a way that feels very true to the movies, at least the first two. I haven't seen the last one where like there is some backburner romance happening and they're very sweet, but it's not like a love story, a romance movie. It's just part of the overarching plot. In this fic, uh, we've got kind of a canon divergent situation wherein Peter only befriends Ned and MJ post-homecoming, as opposed to knowing them beforehand. Um, Peter Parker is still very much Spider-Man. He simply doesn't have friends. Uh, you're, <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. Um, I made this joke yesterday, so I'll make it again. But in this fic, he does start out as your friendless neighborhood Spider-Man. I'm so sorry to him. Um And early on in the fic, Ned and MJ, who are tight from being an academic decathlon, are like, hey, maybe we should let him in. But Peter in this fic is seen by others as a miscreant. Um, 
he does show up to school only sometimes, and when he does, he frequently is injured uh, and has a reputation for fighting and being kind of a loner. So somewhat fair, but in this fic, they learn not to judge a book by its cover. Hey, that kid might be Spider-Man. You just don't know. So that's the lesson that I took from this. Um, it's very charming. It's very fun. I Hopefully it's obvious, but in case you don't know about Dune or Spider-Man, my connection here is the actress Zendaya, who plays MJ and also a role in Dune. I actually have no idea what her role is or like what she does in that movie. Quite frankly, in the first movie, not much. Okay, <laughs> They great. really marketed Dune as they were like with Zendaya and then you watch Dune and it's like LaCroix flavor amount of Zendaya <laughs> in this movie. It's really like That's mostly a, a movie about Timothy, Oscar Isaac, his dad, and whoever his mom is, and then like also some other guys, and also like the evil man. And then occasionally amongst all of this, to me, we'll kind of have a like Zendaya perfume ad dream. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where, like, he's seeing her and she's, like, in the desert and her, like, veil and, like, clothes are, like, whipping around her as she stands in the sand and her eyes are this, like, piercing bright blue. And you expect it to be, like, a new fragrance by Dior. <laughs> but it's, like, not. I don't think Dior's even the right perfume house for this vibe, but whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then she, she really got the paid end, a lot. But so she, good for yeah, her. Yeah, I think I didn't realize at the time that like they're making more movies i think she will play a much bigger role in like the second one but yeah she was not really as much in the first as like everyone thought she was gonna be i was gonna say that's my dream job otherwise of just showing up for like a few scenes and then getting paid a lot and not having to do anything else <laughs> she had to do the but press tour yeah that's true well, that's fun Fair that's enough. when i get to be like i'm so cool and good <laughs> when the fit click press tour happens then you'll see okay okay deal yeah thank you um yeah so i was looking for spider-man fix um i unfortunately <laughs> was not the one who ended up finding this one well maybe fortunately thanks reed for the assist um i will say going through the spider-man tag is not my favorite experience i've ever had so i will talk about that a little bit later <laughs> um but overall this was super charming it's super funny and lighthearted. i don't have any content warnings aside from just like the canon like honestly a, a significantly lighter set of content warnings that uh, if if dune had the lacroix flavor of zendaya then this maybe has the lacroix content warnings of spider-man homecoming mm -hmm, mm -hmm. things are referenced there's nothing rough on the page here it's a very lighthearted and fun story and i would love to hear what my co-hosts thought about it yeah, I, again, had a great time with this. I was really delighted that I felt like we all brought really fun fix for this episode. That's what I personally needed coming back from essentially fit click summer break. Um, yeah, me back, back into in. the fit click school year that I guess starts in June. Oh, I don't know if I like um, that. Oh, much like Amy, we're entering our summer semester. Yeah, we're in our summer semester. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I really just like, I appreciated that from the three of us. It was not like planned, but I you know, good vibes all around. Um, yeah, I do enjoy a Spider-Man. I have seen all of the Spider-Man movies, not just Tom Holland, but the other ones too. Um, and I, I like them. That's a neat guy, that Peter Parker. <laughs> but in here, he's sad. And I'm really glad that he gets to make friends. Um, because sometimes superheroes don't have very many friends, and that's sad. Or they just have, like, friends who are other superheroes, and that's also kind of sad. Um, have some normal friends, everyone. Great. Thank you, Ned and MJ. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Is that your advice to our listeners? 
It's better writing a letter to the Russo brothers, like, more friends, no superpowers, please and thank you, Brenna Ficklick. Oh. Yeah, like, it, it is cute when the superheroes team up, you know? Um, I liked watching, like, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I like Sam and Bucky. But you know what I think would be good for both Sam and Bucky? If they had a fucking friend who was normal. <laughs> Where's, um, there's not enough of just some guy or, like, just, just some, some gal. <laughs> it was nice that, like, they met, like, Sam's family and stuff and, like, his sister is kind of just some gal. But, like, we need more of it. We need more just regular people in superhero films. That's my pitch. And I like that that's really what we got here. It's... Again, I like I don't usually like high school fix, but this one's okay because like they're canonically in high school, so I have no gripes with that. Um, but it was just really cute to like read about the like burgeoning friendship between all of them and um I like the like little bits of kind of Spider-Man stuff that we get throughout it, but it's really mostly focused on just like Peter kind of learning to open up a little bit to his friends and like vice versa for them, you know, like MJ also learning how to kind of like make a new friend and stuff. Um, yeah, I guess it is technically like Peter MJ fic, but like it's really friendship forward. Um, so yeah, I just had a really good time. I, yes, big retweet plus one whatever to what my friend said this fic is just cute like it's cute and it's about friendship and we just did a little google about the ages of the actors and they're all the same age and like i know some of this is probably just like publicity but like i've seen little tiktoks and stuff when they're on press tour and it seems like the three of them are also friends or at least like they were in the early movies and like Tom Holland and Zendaya are definitely... <laughs> well, they're dating, and some people think Close. that's PR, and I choose in my heart to believe it's not because I think they're cute. Anyway, I just think friendship is neat, you know? <laughs> um, I feel like that is kind of a theme of this, like, episode. Like, we think friendship is neat. Like, yes, was the was the Little Woman fic technically a romance? Yes, but we really got derailed talking about how much we loved our <laughs> friendship and going to see Little Woman. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Um, and I I didn't talk about this much, but like Ray Finn Poe as an OT3, whether friends or romantic or whatever, like I love, I just, friends are good. More friends, more friends in general, not just superheroes need more friends, but I think- Wait, I didn't talk about how Star Wars is like Teen Wolf. <laughs> oh, no! I'm going to hijack my own discussion just really fast to say that Ray Finn and Poe having a little ship going out like into the world uh, feels- uh, like an analogy to the quote-unquote McCall or Indoor Hale pack in Teen Wolf fandom, which is basically fans going, oh yeah, like as in the Avengers Tower, the people in this uh, source material get to be friends and have fun. And there's like this whole fandom established around it that literally never plays out in the source material. Like, I don't really have any reason to believe that after Rise of Skywalker, the three of them are like cavorting on fun missions together. <laughs> Um, much as with how in Teen Wolf they never had like weekly pack meetings or whatever it was just like nightmare hell in high school but they uh, can in my heart that. yeah thank mm -hmm. you so much yeah okay, of course continue. well okay that's the joy of fan fiction you love to see it lads okay <laughs> that yeah. is the joy of fan fiction and this fic also has a Star Wars connection because um, Ned, who is like crushing on Peter in a friend way early on, is like, oh, he's my type. We'd elope and we'd go to Death Valley and we'd reenact all the scenes from Tatooine. And I almost said Zendaya. And MJ is like, okay, you're both giant nerds. Like, great. I guess I'll just add another one of these to like my little pack. Um, 
Yes. I Sorry. We really got derailed there. Um, I think taking our non-summer break for Fit Click has made... You know what? I'm doing my best. We're doing our best for Dune Dune. I'm doing great. You're doing great. I'm doing questionably. I can't speak for Reed. <laughs> um, what I want to say about this fic, though, is that I pitched it to Nick like... I don't know. I had read like four paragraphs and I was like, I am having a really fun time with this. Um, and I was like, quite frankly, even if you don't bring this to the pod, I am just going to like read it all the way through because it is really delightful. And I was really glad to see that that like stuck. Yeah, it stuck through. It was just it was a lot of fun. Um, I was very sad for the Peter of this fic in the beginning because, as Nick said, he is your friendless neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, and spoilers for... Uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man 3. I'm so sorry. The naming convention no of these home. movies is the... Thank you. No Way Home. I sure thing. hate the naming convention. It is so hard it's to rough. keep them straight in my brain. Anyway. Is the middle one then? Far, far from, from Home. home. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm Why did they do that? The I haven't worst. seen the third one. Um, spoilers for No Way Home, but basically the end of the movie is that Ned and MJ don't remember who Peter is and he's like all alone and it's like really fucking sad and they like make him promise they're like you have to come back like we're not going to remember you but you have to come back and be our friend again and he's like okay and then he like sees them and he decides that they're like better off without him and he's like never mind and he goes to this like sad little apartment by himself and there's supposed to be something in there about like starting over fresh start something something and I was like this sucks. Like, I know a lot of people really enjoyed um, No Way Home. And I think overall, like, there were things I enjoyed, but I really didn't like the ending. And I feel like this fic hammered that home for me because I was like, I love Peter, Ned, and MJ. They are so fun. I think their friendship is so fun. Their dynamic is great. Like, it really feels like the heart of, like, the trilogy of those films is the three of them, like, coming together and, like, what that support network means for Peter. And so, like, getting to see sort of the Peter of this fic who is, like, by himself and then, like, building up those friendships and those relationships and, like, getting to have people outside of, like, Aunt May and Tony Stark was really nice. And I was like, fuck the end of No Way Home. Give Peter back his friends. <laughs> That's my letter. Bren is going to write a letter saying more superheroes need normal friends and I'm going to write a letter that just says give Peter back his friends. Nick, what's Nick, what's your letter? <laughs> my letter is to marvel fandom <laughs> oh okay <laughs> yeah fair and... take it away <laughs> yeah thank you okay so we're, we'll go back to talking about this specific fake real real soon but as i was going through the tag i had a couple of quibbles with this fandom and this is also like i was looking at the most bookmarked fix i did get like 11 or 12 pages deep and then i got pretty far in again sorting for shorter stories um so i have like a sampling of what's popular but not necessarily a good sampling of the entirety of the tag so disclaimer um some of it was just very cursed which is i think is fair um because fandom is gonna fandom so respect um a lot of it was stark industries field trips which i get it's like a it's a very easy play for a, a like a, oh god what's peter gonna do he's an intern but he's a student but they know him are the avengers there Lots of people love those fics. Holy cow, like the first three pages were like a solid third of those issues. <laughs> but the other thing that I noticed that like it did actually bug me a little bit is that I really didn't see any fics that were popular. So this is kind of more of a gripe with fandom as a whole um, that engaged in any meaningful way with the fact that MJ is black in these movies. She's played by Zendaya. Like it's not like 
hidden, right? And Marvel very much was like, aha, give us credit for our diversity in the Spider-Man movies. But there's like zero meaningful engagement about it whatsoever. We get a little bit like this fic mentions, right? Like MJ is anti-capitalist and she protests, but so much of like her political engagement feels like de-racialized in some way in the stories that I was reading and I wasn't vibing. So that's just my general um, critique. I think it speaks a lot to the way that the source material also refused to engage meaningfully with it. Um, but I just felt like the bar was pretty low um, and I didn't really see a lot of fix like clearing it. Um, so I just wanted to mention that because it was a general quibble that I had. Thank you. So that's my letter. Yeah, it's it's a correct letter. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think also like you could kind of say the same for the fact that I feel like we never touch on the fact that I think Ned is like Filipino. Is that correct? Um, but like. Anyway, that's just to say that I definitely agree, and I don't think, like, I mean, you know, Marvel definitely did a disservice by not engaging with it in the source content, but fandom hasn't really, like, done any fix at work on that issue. Mm -hmm. And they might have. They're just nothing that I saw that, like, has been uplifted into popularity. Truly, yeah, yeah. That's not to say that no one has touched on it, for sure. Um, Yeah, just to go back a little bit to Reed's beef with, like, the end of uh, Spider-Man no way home um the the third of the tom movies it's a bad naming convention uh, anyway it's really tough um and how like peter doesn't like approach mj and ned and like let them know that they all used to be friends and instead he's just like okay well i guess i'll just be sad and alone okay yeah what the hell buddy um it didn't just make me hate like the ending of that movie it just kind of made me hate like the whole movie as a whole <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is here's the thing it's so fun in like movie one that peter gets to be a superhero that's actually surrounded by friends and family because we have so many superhero movies where they are very like isolated and maybe like one maybe two people know about them you know um and Peter actually gets a few. He gets Aunt May, then he gets Tony and Happy, he gets MJ and Ned, like, he's got his whole little crew, and he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, like, you love him, it's joyous, and by the end of this stupid movie, he's lost everyone, are you kidding me? Anyway, I have a lot of feelings about it, and also the fact that, like, Every movie is just like, how can we torture this little high school boy? Like, let's just take more people out of his life. And I, I don't think that's good. Like, I know superhero movies have to ha like, well, don't have to, but like the superhero movie convention is that the superhero has a tragic backstory, right? Like something mm -hmm. bad happened to them. Otherwise, like, why would they be so impassioned about the superheroing? Which is like why it's important that Peter has experienced some loss in his young life. But like, does he need everyone in it? to be gone i don't think so anyway this is just my grape about uh no way home i wasn't just mad about mj and ned i was also mad about aunt may especially on the fact that like the previous movie was all about peter being like what do i do now that tony stark's gone anyway <laughs> it's not a good time for him so it was very nice to read this book this book to read this fic um, where he gets to make friends because I don't know what will happen to Peter next. Um, I'm sure we'll see at some point in the MCU. But even if he doesn't kind of re-befriend Ned and MJ, I need him to have some friends. So it's nice to be reminded Please. that he can do that. Give him some friends for the love of God. Okay. <laughs> I want to go back briefly to Nikki saying that like one of the most 
common tropes you were seeing as like field trip to Stark Industries. Yes. Um, I have not been like reading in Marvel. I was going to say actively. I honestly have not been reading in Marvel like at all for a couple years, two years. I don't know, for a little bit of time. And I think it's kind of funny that that is a popular trope because something that I used to read a lot, classic, um, would be like Steve Tony with Peter as their ward. And this is like pre-Spider-Man ever being in the MCU. Um, and like that could manifest as a lot of things. It could just be sort of like, like there were a bunch of like, Peter's a really smart kid and like gets some sort of internship type thing at Stark Industries. Or it could be like as like Spider-Man, maybe for whatever reason he loses like Uncle Ben and Aunt May and then like becomes their actual ward. Um, but I think it's like funny that I guess like the trope is like different, but still kind of the same, like the same themes are there. Um, and just to be the most on my bullshit always, um, I like that I picked this fic and then later I got a Tony cameo and not only was I was like, Tony cameo, that's my blurbo, but <laughs> it was really fucking funny. Um, like Peter's like grocery, well, MJ is grocery shopping and then like hears a familiar voice and like turns a corner and there's like Peter and Tony Stark and Peter is not having it. So he's like shoving Tony out of this store and tells him like, yip, yip, Mr. Stark, which I found so fucking funny and also delightful that it implies that um, Peter has watched and is a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. And as Brenna said in our pre-discussion, also implies that he has probably made Tony watch Avatar The Last Airbender. And that brings a lot of joy, too. But I'm bringing this up not only because I love to be on my Tony bullshit, but also because like yeah, I don't know. I think it, like, really speaks to the humor of this fic. It just felt, like, deeply, like, funny and fun and good and relatable. Um, and it is nice when Peter gets to have friends and be happy. Wow, I know we just keep saying it, but I think I liked this fic so much because of that. Yeah, I also, one reason I loved this fic so much is because I feel like we, we've talked about this, and I think this is a conversation that happens in fandom a lot anyway, right? This extreme prioritization of a couple getting together, uh, being like the be-all, end-all of positive relationship building in fic. So often what I will tell people when I'm betaing their fic is like, who are the meaningful people in their lives that they're not romantically interested in? Because if the entire story is about getting with someone and they don't have anyone else in their life, I am not going to be rooting for the romance. I'm going to be really stressed out about their like community and support systems. And I love that this fic is like, how often do you see a fic about people be like becoming friends with each other? Like it was so charming to me and it felt so opposite of what Brenna hated about No Way Home. <laughs> um, because it really is like, hey, let's develop some meaningful connections. Let's like look at this is such a lovely portrayal of Ned and MJ in terms of like their friendships with Peter individually. There is this implication, right, that MJ and Peter eventually are going to get together somewhere down the line, but there's no rush on it. There's no pressure. Um, and the way that they both like empathize with him and think about him and just like like him as a person i found it so refreshing it's so nice to read a fic about people being like hey i'm in high school and i want to be friends with somebody new and that is going to be the driving action of this story because it's a thing that people experience and it's lovely and it's joyful and i was so happy that it was given precedence in this story and we got to read along as they got to know each other better and create inside jokes and have fun and then you know figuring out that he is spider-man etc i was just gonna say i feel like one of the one of the more like low-key things that really sparked joy in this fic and that made it feel like very like rooted in the candidates from is um 
you're in MJ's POV the whole time, and there is, like, I want to say, like, halfway-ish through the fic, you get a pretty strong implication that Ned has just discovered that Peter is Spider-Man, but, like, MJ oh, yeah. still doesn't know. And that whole, like, uh, through-line, subtle, what is the word I'm looking for? It's there. It's in the background that, like... Ned now knows the secret. He's, like, sending MJ, like, YouTube videos, like, top 10 Spider-Man fails, and Peter's like, he's a traitor. Um, And I did absolutely love that it took exactly one encounter with Spider-Man for MJ to put the pieces together. She's, like, working her night shift job at 7-Eleven, and some people are, like, causing a ruckus outside, and Spider-Man is there. And she's, like, looking at him, and she's like, ah, goddammit, that's Peter. And I just, like, (laughs) it was so fun. I think, like... Uh, the whole, like, hidden identity thing in canons and in fics can sometimes be, like, really angsty. And I think it really made sense and worked for this fic that it was, like, just very funny and very delightful to watch that unravel in the background. One other thing I really liked about this fic is, like, I don't know, getting back to what we were saying about kind of just friendship and everything. I think it lets the characters be their age in a way that I really appreciate. Yes. I think... That's also what we kind of got from the very first Spider-Man movie, like Homecoming. But then by the time we got the most recent one, I feel like, you know, it just pushed them to feel a lot more like adult than they're really supposed to be. Like in the movie, like ages, like they're only seniors in high school, you know, and this Mm -hmm. fic, I think, just allowed them to feel like teenagers in a lot of ways. Like they're like they're using silly jokes and memes and like all this stuff and I think one part that I really liked in that regard was one day Peter shows up to school like wearing a shirt with like a silly science pun on it and Ned and MJ are like what is this like you only wear hoodies like I've never seen you wear something like this and he kind of admits that like he has a lot of them but he's kind of hasn't been able to wear them because they remind him too much of his Uncle Ben and that moment of opening up felt like it was so true to that age of character you know um I don't know that one just really stuck with me for some reason like the way that like a small encounter at lunch can have so much meaning to you as like a high schooler when you're so worried about something or you feel something so deeply and you've just kept it all bottled up and even like the smallest thing from your friends can like help so much and I think that's like really true for that age in particular and I think it just, like, did a good job of having these, like, steps forward in their friendship that originate from these, like, relatively small-looking moments, but that feel big to the characters. Um, Yeah, I think that's just, like, a very teenage kind of experience, and I like that this fic gave it to them. Yeah, I just want to quickly plus one to that, Brenna. It's so nice when people write teens as teens. And also it feels like such an antithesis to, like this fic in general feels like an antithesis to what we were saying a little bit about No Way Home, which is this idea that the way for a superhero arc to go is that the the young man becomes rugged and jaded and miserable and loses everyone that's important to him. And, like, that is the superhero ending. And it's like, why do we have to do that, actually? (laughs) What if we didn't? Um, And this fic very much did not do that. So thank you to this author. Yeah. Like, what if superheroes could be better superheroes with love and support and community? Just a concept. That's too radical. That's too (laughs) radical, Brenna. Sorry. (laughs) We have to be lonely and miserable forever. Thank you. Okay. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's what fan fiction is for. Honestly. Um, yeah, so that was our discussion on If You Want to Be My Lover, You Gotta Get With My Friends by Mind Shelter. Charming, very sweet, very fun. Highly recommend reading it if you want to have a good time. Mm-hmm.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click as we get our sea legs back, but instead of sea legs, they're podcast legs. Uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, there's so many ways for you to have more Fit Click in your life. Uh, for example, you could follow us on Twitter at Fit Click. You could send us an email to communicate in long form, or you can send us a short email. That's fine too, at fitclickpod at gmail.com. Linked on our Twitter, we also have a Discord server, which is multi-fanish and involves people talking about the boba that they got and their pets and their plants and fic that they read and are reading and they do writing sprints and they're currently organizing an event just like in there, which I'm obsessed with. So come hang out with us if you want. It's a good time and it's a good space. If you'd like to wrap Fic Click in your day-to-day life, we do have some merch available designed by yours truly and our beloved friend of the pod, Tiffany. Um, You can locate that via our Twitter. It's on Redbubble. Also, if you'd like to spread the word of Fit Click to your friends or whomever else, um, we would love it if you left us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts or another podcatcher of your choice that allows reviews, or just post it on your own social media. Give us a retweet. Give us a shout out. We love to hear from you, especially when it's positive. We will accept any communication, but positive is what we are asking for. Thank you. (laughs) Write your dissertation about Fit Click. I mean, yeah, you have our permission. Go for it. For those of you who maybe were afraid that um, because we didn't bring a Dune fic in this episode, we'd be bringing Dune next time. No, don't worry. Only one episode of Dune June, which I Speak thought was delightful. <laughs> oh, well, fair no, enough. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are bringing. <laughs> um, I thought this was a delightful episode, but um, in case maybe challenges and themes are not as much your thing, next time is just a regular three fic episode. Uh, no through line between them. And the fic that I will be bringing next time is A Coin Over Each Eye by Sorry Mom. It is for the K-pop girl group Twice. The pairing is Momo Sana. And I will say there is an archive warning for major character death, but also the additional tag is the MCD is pretty chill. And I would definitely emphasize that. Um, Minor spoilers, I guess it's you find out immediately. It's a reincarnation AU and is primarily set sort of in the in-betweens of their lives that they're living. So technically major character death, but like not not really, I think, in the way you normally see the tag. So don't be afraid. Brenna, what are you bringing next time? Yes, I am bringing a fic called The Age of Aquarius by Speranza. Uh, this is a fic published in 2006 uh, for the fandom <laughs> The West Wing, the TV show. Uh, our relationship is Josh and Donna. Um, I, yeah, I, yes, this is what we're doing. Hello, West Wing fans out there. Welcome. <laughs> Nick, what are you bringing? I am bringing You're Wrong About Misericord by Idono Hana, which is a fic for the fandom You're Wrong About podcast, RPF, technically. Um, no pairing. Our characters are indeed the hosts of You're Wrong About Sarah Marshall and Michael Hobbs. It is a fake transcript of an episode that never existed about a film that never existed, and it is extremely fun and extremely evocative of the voices. So I cannot wait to talk about this. Some of the additional tags do include urban legends, uh, conspiracy theories, and movie making. So please look forward to it. I can't wait to discuss. You can look forward to that episode coming out on June 24th. Um, Until then, I think I am going to try to find myself a spaceship and go discover my own version of magic powers. Bye! 
hey figlets i want to be your lover so i'm gonna go get with your friends bye (laughs) hey figlets i know i just came back from what i called summer break but maybe it's time to go on another one to europe (gasps) bye figlets (laughs) see you in milan (laughs) 